Today on the show, can you cancel a mass? Fearless Saints bringing back Sunday supper, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Oh, hello there. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, It is time for the Catholic Underground. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and oh, what noise there is these days and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 419. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we got Kathleen Lee. She's uh, the Teachers Maximus. She's also also wearing colors, if if you're watching us on the radio, that match the Catholic Underground corporate look. So, Kathleen, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's like you've been here all week. I know. (laughs) And you may be next week, right? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've got Olivia Galino. She's a student of life, our resident Italian food critic. Hey, Olivia. Hello. And also, uh, up on the Jeff Star 1 near-Earth orbit satellite, watching us from above, Jeff Blackwell. uh, Hey, he's our tech director. Hey, Jeff. Howdy, neighbor. And then, uh, if you're watching us in any of the video zones, the approved video zones by your leader... Um, Ed Ball is the one who is taking care of that, and so we thank Ed for his diligence in the ball pit, the video cave, the place where he lives most of the time, it seems like. Actually, Ed, is there ever a time where you're not editing video? Nope. Okay, I didn't think so. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. All right, well, uh, I suppose we we could easily say that this is a not-evergreen edition of the Catholic Underground. This is a most timely edition of the Catholic Underground. Because this would be perhaps the COVID-19 edition of the Catholic Underground. Dun, dun, dun. Because it, it, it's unprecedented in our time where we have had to, uh, to respond not just as a society with uh, the, the threat of a pandemic, um, but also as, as a believing society in modernity in the threat of a pandemic. And you can say what you will about, um, about the media blowing it out of proportion and things like that. Indeed, that has been done to some degree. But, well, we still have to live with the, with the effects, with the fallout of, of that. And for us as Catholics, uh, that has meant uh, taking um, a great number of precautions just to make sure that everyone is kept safe from, um, from a contamination with a, a virus that is very virulent, right? It is, um, it is indeed quite contagious. Uh, so part of that means that uh, in many dioceses, at least as of the time where we're coming on the air, many dioceses have... Uh, either um, lifted the obligation, mm-hmm. so you know that one of the precepts of the church is is to attend mass on Sundays and on holy days of obligation, and that is the the church's way of um, of kind of extending the the commandment to keep holy the Lord's day. And if we don't do that, ordinarily, it's under the pain of mortal sin. Many bishops have lifted that uh, that obligation so that if you're in one of the the categories where your health is uh, is vulnerable um, and so they're saying like 60 plus right mm-hmm. uh, or the very young uh, as really with any sickness right uh, or a virulent mm-hmm. type of thing like the flu uh, they're asking you to stay away from from mass and large gatherings and then um, if you just are concerned for your health or maybe you have contracted the virus you know um, to, to effectively quarantine or, or isolate, so to speak, um, so that uh, the, the virus doesn't spread. And so that Sunday obligation has been commuted, has been taken away. But in some cases, uh, and that's, it actually seems to be growing, is that um, churches are um, not offering public masses. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's important to say that that if your church is closed, so if, if for whatever reason the doors are locked to your parish, I know that's happened in some places already from what you're saying in the chat room, um, but your priest is still there. Because, uh, you know, more than just kind of a religious service, uh, the priest will be standing as mediator between God and his parish. And, and I think that that's important for you to know, is that a priest um, must offer the sacrifice of the Mass. Uh, it's, uh, it's certainly um, encouraged every day for the priest to offer his Mass for the intentions, whether he has them or not, to offer the Mass. And it is required of a priest to offer Mass on, on Sundays and on Holy Days of Obligation. And to preach, by the way, mm-hmm. on Sundays and on Holy ga- Days. We, we, uh, we have to preach on those days, too. So mm-hmm. the Word must be heard and broken open in the same way that the Eucharist must be celebrated and broken mm-hmm. for us, you know? Yeah, so uh, that's important. Um, what does this say about Christian hope, though? I mean, because that's, that's really where people perhaps are getting... Um, divisive. Divisive and yeah. frenzied and, and maybe uh, even anxious in some in some cases what do we as believers the the mystical body of christ make over the situation Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think it's important to remember that the church is always at prayer Mm -hmm. you know um i I think if you've both of you have have had experience with uh with monastic prayer Mm -hmm. like i remember when kathleen was was discerning religious life (laughs) and (laughs) maybe one of the things i don't know one of the things that made you go i don't know if this is for me was was it like the hours that the religious kept um, yeah, because they were like, uh, well, there were many, many things that the Lord made very clear that I was not uh, made for. Uh, but yeah, one of them was, was you know, like, oh, at like nine o'clock, lights out. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, or like, we wake up at four o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, squeezy, squeezy what? <laughs> you know, uh, beautiful, beautiful, but yeah. uh, not for Kathleen. Yeah. And, and, but that's the thing is that the sure. church is always at prayer. Right. You know, and even if it's not an hour that you keep right, right, as a layperson, right, right. the church mm-hmm. is always at prayer. And I think that's important for you because right now, for for some now perhaps many of you, your apartment, your home, uh, is is now a a monastery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, in fact, I've seen some very helpful things for parents of children to to set up. You ready for a five dollar word, Jeff? You ready? Here it comes, an orarium. Yeah, orarium. Mm-hmm. A, Anything a, to do with cars? No, no, no. Um, uh, it is it is a cycle of hours, right? So basically, like a schedule. So the monks, uh, monks, and in, in, in parishes, we keep what's called a orarium, the hours at which orations are made, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the hours okay. of prayer. Yeah. And so uh, now that you might find yourself in a monastery of your home. Um, you might consider keeping a uh, an orarium, uh, a, a cycle of prayer. Hmm. And whether it's something official, like saying the Liturgy of the Hours, um, iBrevery is a fantastic app. If I can think about it, if I remember in our show notes, we'll make sure that we put some of these things that we mentioned down for you. Um, but iBrevery would be an app for you to pray the Liturgy of the Hours and maybe try to pray those according to the Church. Again, if you can't go anywhere or do anything, you, you are part of the Church at prayer, right. and the church officially at prayer, the priests, the, the monks and religious, those who keep the liturgy of the hours officially for the church, uh, we are still at prayer. Right. And so, and that's how the, that's how the, the mystical body breathes. I feel like I should say that again. Yeah. That's how the mystical body of Christ breathes. We breathe by praying mm-hmm. and part, <laughs> ah, good. <laughs> yes. The, the heavenly ding. Um, and so we, we do that certainly by our public prayer together when we're, when we're able 
uh, that's really kind of the deep breath, those deep kind of like when you go to the doctors and doctor and he wants to get your heartbeat, he always says, okay, now take deep breaths so I can hear your lungs and make sure the deep lung filled breathing for us is, is our public prayer. But then our private prayer is just the normal breath of the day. Yeah. And so the church, the church is at prayer. First, first thing to remember, closed doors don't mean a cessation of worship. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. We're raising our hearts and minds to God in the Psalms and in the Holy Mass. Um, Whether or not the the faithful are there or are able to be there, um, we're doing that. And you can, in some degree, do that, too. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about I don't know. Uh, have you thought about praying with uh, your students? Because I mean, well, how? I wonder how that works. Like now, so Olivia and Kathleen are teachers, and yeah. so they're trying to scramble to get online right. mm-hmm. for your classes. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, for me, it's it's. I've already thought about how to approach it with, with you know, with, with sixth graders. It's so very different. You know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm already rehearsing my videos in my head. Like, mm-hmm. what a, what a great time for us to be able to. You know, to, to be together while not being together and pray together while not being together, you know, but we can still pray together over, mm-hmm. you know, and, and especially as a theology teacher, mm-hmm. like, how do you, you know, with science or math, it's like, here's the lesson, you can go online, you can yeah. play with all these things. But, you know, as a religion teacher, how do you get across the primacy? Like, yeah. <laughs> the like, importance. Well, how do you get across like the spiritual aspect of what you're teaching? Because yeah. there is that, you know whether you're teaching church history or morality or, you know, or the sacraments, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, how do you get across the spirituality behind it? It's mm-hmm. important that so much of, of that is incarnational. Right. Like it relies mm-hmm. on us being person yeah. to person. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's relational too. Like I, I feel like I might know my girls, not better, but like deeper maybe yeah. because of like the way that we pray together. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've been thinking too about like my, my students lead prayer. Like they, yeah. they take turns leading prayer. So like I only lead whenever um, like someone's sick or there's mm-hmm. just a day that no one signed up for. Um, but now I'm thinking that like, it might be important to like amp up that prayer. So like maybe yeah. I lead and they lead, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it, I mean, it's harder cause like it is a communal thing, but it's not impossible. I think it's just going right. to take, you know, creativity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, it's important to note that that as long as your adoration chapels are over, or your churches, I should say, open, and your churches are open for private prayer, because many of them, um, as I understand it, are staying open, mm-hmm. you can make a short visit to the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah, uh, Those mm-hmm. are little things that you can do. Whenever there's no obligation to attend Mass... Um, you can certainly um, you can certainly view the mass online, EWTN and Catholic TV, um, and in many of your dioceses, uh, even some of your parish priests mm-hmm. are making um, the mass available. Um, and I'm I'm trying to work on that in the back of my head for my parishioners, uh, mm-hmm. if if that day comes where where we're not able to have mass publicly. Again, it's unprecedented, and everybody's kind of sh- scrambling to to figure out the best way right. to to alleviate some of the anxiety that can come from being. Um, enclosed in a monastery, not of your own devising. Yeah. Like you haven't, you haven't discerned religious life, you know, in that sense. And yet, uh, the Lord allows us. It's no coincidence that it's during Lent. Mm-hmm. The Lord allows us this opportunity to to kind of go inward. And uh, it's it w- when it's not when you don't have time to properly discern these things, you can feel a little like you're being caught off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that that's important um, is to remember is is that. You need to actualize your participation in the mystical body. You have a part to play in this, in the respiration of how the church breathes and lives. And so, if you're living in a place where the bishop has um, has halted masses for the public, you can make a spiritual communion 
and maybe this is something that that you don't know about saint thomas aquinas writes a good deal about it and offers um you know some really good words about what making the spiritual communion is and it's an act of drawing on the real graces conferred by your baptism to unite you to god god dwells in our hearts right the indwelling of the holy spirit we believe by baptism that's where the holy trinity abides in us by means of that baptism making a spiritual communion then is calling upon that presence and that reality. Um, and so believers can continue to gather spiritually. That's an important thing to note. Whenever the Mass is being offered around the world, and if you can imagine, uh, they used to have these physical things called a Mass clock, where you could see at what part of the world Mass was being offered. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Oh. And it's important to know that the Mass is being offered, the Liturgy of the Hours are being offered at every hour of the day all around the world. And so when you make a spiritual communion, and there are several prayers for spiritual communion. Um, we'll try and link to those. I have a couple on my parish's website that I'll link to as well. Um, when you make a spiritual communion, you're you're essentially saying, Lord, I can't be here present at Mass, but I believe that you're present in the Eucharist. I believe that you have the ultimate power to, to affect my heart, mm -hmm. and I welcome you in. Yeah. You know, give to me the graces that are necessary for me to live my state in life right now. And so you can do that. Uh, let's see. Also, remember grace through charity. Uh, I, have, uh, I have a friend who um, knocked on the door of her neighbor probably for the first time hmm. today um, just because she's never had the opportunity to do it before. And she didn't know if uh, it's an elderly couple and she didn't know if the, the, the kids had come over to, to check on their hmm. parents. And so she just simply said, hi, um, I'm so-and-so. I'm next door. If you need anything, here's my phone yeah. number. I'll check yeah. in on you from time to time. Those are the sorts of things because Christians are never alone. Mm -hmm. And even if somebody that lives next to you is not a Christian, um, our mandate is still clear. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, that's what I was telling my students before we left. I said, hey, look for, like, this is this is the time. This, this is the time to put, for you to put your faith into action. Yeah. You have plenty of time. You could be sitting there watching Netflix or you could be out there doing something. That's what I love about hurricane season down mm -hmm. here in the South yeah. is you see people loving people mm -hmm. and you see people reaching out and you see people like hum humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm really excited to, I mean, I'm not excited that the coronavirus yeah. is here, but excited to see that, mm -hmm. to see how, you know, you're already seeing it online in neighbor, in my mm -hmm. parents' neighborhood on their Facebook page. They're like, do we have a list of the elderly so we can go check on mm -hmm. them? You know, and, and, and people are already starting to think outside of themselves. Yeah. Right, exactly. And uh, and that's what we're trying to help you to do as well, yeah. uh, certainly to, to recognize that we as Christians in the midst of, especially in the midst of suffering, mm -hmm. we are always people of hope. Yeah. Because our hope does not lie in what this world has to offer. Our hope lies in Jesus Christ. In fact, we have one of the almost saints mm. with us today. Huh? Uh, I brought my relic of Blessed Francis Xavier Silos. Cool. Uh, this is a first-class relic of Blessed Silos, mm. who, uh, who ministered in the midst of the yellow fever epidemic in New Orleans. He's a very powerful, powerful mm. um, member of, of the holy men and women of God. And so I usually, I'll bring this with me when I go on a sick call, if I yeah. remember to do it. Uh, and then I, I've kind of kept him with me um, over the course of the weekend. And so we ask Blessed Francis Xavier Silos uh, to intercede for us and to intercede in a special way for all of those who, uh, who are listening to us, who are watching us. Lord Jesus, you are Lord of time. And so if they are watching us in a time-shifted way, you know exactly how to pour out the graces of Blessed Silos' intercession. So we ask you to do that. And so know that, uh, that we, as the Catholic Underground, are praying for you. And the saints, the saints keep hours of the day and night. They, they never sleep for us. They always intercede. And so we ask Blessed Francis Xavier Silos to pray for us 
And uh, we're going to continue a little bit with uh, with some saints. But first, we are the Catholic Underground. <laughs> That's right. Those are those are musics of hope. We are the Catholic Underground online at catholicunderground.tv. I am Father Chris, joined by the very hopeful Kathleen. Yes, I am. She is, she is our, our hope ninja. Still. I am hope samurai. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, hope samurai, faith ninja. Mm-hmm. Right. I get I get those mixed up. <laughs> uh, are, are you like the love police too? To <laughs> <laughs> you never know these days. Kathleen, the love police. I'm the love police. Sounds like she's some Ooh. kind of like late night DJ. <laughs> <laughs> that would be your DJ name. Yeah. Yeah. There you yes, go. Yes, uh, indeed. Olivia is also here. She yes. has no title. <laughs> wow. Okay, great. Except Kevin. Kevin. That's my title. <laughs> And then uh, Jeff's uh, up on the satellite um, in in quarantine all the time. It seems, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So it's okay. We'll send we'll send some. Kathleen, did you eat all of the? Uh, I, the no, jingle, I did not jingle. eat the jingle jangle. Okay. Right. What you gotta say we, about that? We had some leftover. We had a leftover. Kathleen, did you leave any jingle jangle left? Yeah. Jingle jangles. That's right. We, we had some um, some some confections from Christmas leftover that we 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 had to break out the chocolate to get Kathleen uh-huh. out of her funk today. Yeah, they were like, she's getting out of hand. Feed her the chocolate, quick. That's right. <laughs> And Ed's in the video cave. Uh, yeah. So Kathleen, we, we've been talking about anxiety. Sure. And it turns out the saints are not strangers to it. Exactly. Okay. Now, this is what I've been trying to tell my students. Saints are human beings too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, we in this day and age are, are you know, experiencing the coronavirus um, hysteria, you know, like, and, and craziness. And, you know, schools and businesses are closing and dioceses are canceling masses. And um, there is there's this spirit of fear mm-hmm. that is really um, gripping the world. never of God. And no, and we live, I mean, we, we there are many, many things that we fear in this day and age. Um, but this one, this one's a big one, right? Uh, and we as Christians, we're told not to be infra- afraid. And in fact, we're even forbidden to be anxious. If you remember Philippians 4, 6, have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Mm-hmm. Right? But we also see, and this is this is one of my favorite parts of, of Lent, um, we also see that Jesus himself was afraid mm-hmm. while praying in the garden before his passion. It's one of those parts where um, I love to see students' eyes open when I say, you know, it's such a weird thing to say, let this cup pass from me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But what he's saying is, dude, I don't, this is, this is scary. Yeah. If it's not your will, Lord, let this, I don't want to drink from this cup. Mm-hmm. I don't want to drink from the crazy cup. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says, if it's your will, then I'll do what, what needs to be done. That's right. So his humanity and his divinity yeah. are speaking together. Precisely. And many of us have experienced um, a lessening of anxiety and fear and worry as we've come to trust uh, in the Lord more. But still we find ourselves afraid. There's always something, right? Especially as we face a global pandemic, <laughs> right? And the, you know, what, what media is trying to make out to be the zombie apocalypse, yeah. um, we get a little afraid, right? Uh, and because we know we ought to trust God, um, mm-hmm. especially, you know, like fear feels like almost like faith, faithlessness, right? We know that we should trust God and that we shouldn't have fear, but when that fear creeps in, we're like, Maybe I'm not spiritually sound, or maybe maybe I'm losing faith, right? Which only, of course, makes it worse. Worse. But those of us um, who are afraid are not alone in that. Those of us who are maybe experiencing anxiety for the first time, I I, I didn't I've never lived with this before, and so when anxiety comes, I don't know how to handle it well. Mm-hmm. Freak out a little bit, 
right? Um, but rather than repressing that fear or being like, no, 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 cool, 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 everything's cool, right? Um, and or allowing it to consume us. Let's look at the lives of some of these saints who turned to the Lord mm-hmm. in their fear and found hope, even if they were no less afraid, which mm-hmm. is important, right? Because sometimes we're like, Lord, make me less afraid, and it doesn't happen, and we're paralyzed, mm-hmm. right? But these saints trusted in the Lord. They turned to the Lord, even when they were still afraid. Right? So the first one is St. Augustine of Canterbury. Right? He died in 604, and he was sent by St. Gregory the Great to preach in England. But as he and his company journeyed north, they were um, regaled with tales of the savage ways of the English pagans and the perils of crossing the English Channel. Uh, yeah, I don't want to go there anymore either, right? <laughs> and the men were so terrified that Augustine instructed the others to wait in France. He said, wait in France. I'm going to go um, back to Rome to talk to the Holy Father. Right? And presumably he hoped that Gregory would cancel the mission, but instead he encouraged him, who returned to his men, finished the journey to England, and experienced such, such success that he's known as the apostle to the English. Mm. And so even though he was like, hey, look, y'all, uh, like we heard some crazy stuff. Y'all hang out here. I'm going to go double check, yeah. <laughs> right? This is what we're supposed to be doing. And Gregory the Great said, mm-hmm, right? And so he said, all right. He turned back and, and he caught up with his dudes and he said, let's do this, mm. right? It didn't mean that he was less afraid. It just means that, okay, well, this is what the Lord wants. Yep. Right? And so he became known as the apostle to the English. Hello. Right. Uh, what about Blessed Sebastian Valfrey, hmm, who died in 1710? He always seemed confident and congenial, right? But his writings tell a whole different story. We know folks like that that like have a lot of bluster, uh-huh. you know, like yeah, they seem really confident, but uh, on the inside, yeah. I tell people all the time, my, me myself, like I'm a big talker, but I don't walk, I can't walk three steps into what I'm talking about, right? Um, but he was terrified. Why? He was afraid that he was unworthy to be an oration priest. Uh, oratorian. An oratorian. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Order of St. Francis de Sales. Yes, thank you. You got it. Okay? That he was unworthy to be a priest, and because of that, he became afraid of God, mm-hmm. right? Like. He's unworthy, yeah. but this is what he wants. But he now he's afraid of God. Right? Some of these Still, fears tend to be like irrational right. ones, right? They don't make any a sense. Lot, a lot of fears can be. Yeah. And still, he prayed through that, right? The, it, the prayer itself was often agonizing to him, mm-hmm. as he account, recounts in his, in his writings. He celebrated Mass. He heard confessions. He preached the gospel, all the while riddled with anxiety, Mm-hmm. Right, he still did these spiritual things that he was he he needed to do, even though like sometimes you know people who struggle with with anxiety on a large scale are often you know literally paralyzed by it. They can't function, um, and he continued to do these things, right? Um, and this is what put him on the path to great holiness. And in many ways, Valfrey was rather an unremarkable priest, just a a, a normal priest. Right. But to be unremark- to be an unremarkable priest in the midst of doubt and anguish and terror, right, which seems to us likely to have been uh, from maybe even from an anxiety disorder, right, that's nearly miraculous. Mm-hmm. To be able to function, to be able to lead others to Christ, even though Christ and God is, is what you're most afraid of, mm-hmm. um, due to due to you know 
anxiety doubt, issues. Yeah, yeah, anxiety and doubt in yourself, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what about Francis, Venerable Francis Lieberman, mm-hmm. who died in 1852? Um, he was always a little sensitive and easily frightened. We know those people in our lives, right? Sure. And they found great joy and peace in converting to Catholicism from Judaism. That didn't mean an absence of fear and anxiety, right? It's not like he found the Lord and was like, here we go. Mm-hmm. Everything is, is great. Um, he was very anxious about having disappointed his father, mm-hmm. right? About the anti-Semitism that he experienced, about um, the epilepsy that, re- that he suffered from that required him to abandon his, his dreams initially of being a priest, uh, about the terrible responsibility of being a spiritual director. Wow. Right? These were all things that plagued him. Right? He was so anxious that for a time he was afraid to cross bridges because he worried he would throw himself off the bridge. Wow. That's, so, like, that kind of anxiety is real mm-hmm. and intense. And it's crippling. Yeah. Then, yeah. Now, he was ultimately ordained and became the founder of a missionary order. And though he still struggled with fear and anxiety, in the end he was no longer ruled by his anxiety. That's right. And I think that's the thing is, yeah. is to be able to to come to a place in your relationship with the Lord, and we would say even in modernity with, uh, with healthcare professionals, sure. right? Um, to to an, allow something to take place where you're kind of self-diagnosing, right? That's, right. that's any good counseling relationship teaches you to diagnose yourself mm-hmm. and to go, okay, um, this is what's happening now. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, to be able to, to allow the Lord into that. Right. Now this, this next one is really cool. I've never heard of her, but Blessed Maria Yi Xiong Rai. Who was who died in 1840, and she was married to Saint Francis Cho Kyung Hwan. Nicely done. Thank you. Uh, but the, when the two were arrested uh, for being Christians, her youngest daughter was with her in prison, yeah. and as actually began to starve as as her milk began to dry up. Oh my! And so the woman who would not have denied her Lord or would not have renounced her faith. Um, to save her own life, did so in order to save the life of her child. Now, when she was released, um, her faith was unchanged, but she was heartbroken Ah. over her renouncement of her faith, over her denial of her God. And soon she was arrested again, and this time she entrusted her children to people who she knew would care for them. And knowing that they were safe, uh, she was able to withstand physical torture, and severe as it was, it could never compare to a mother's anguished fear for her children's mm. safety. Wow. So she had yeah. another opportunity to right. come to the Lord and, and to pr- yeah. confess him. Yeah. Wow, my goodness. And so she made sure that her children were, were taken care of, and she said, all right, Lord, let's do this. Wow. Let's go around too. Um, we, we know Blessed Francis Xavier Cabrini, who died oh, yeah. in 1917. Um, when she was seven years old, she fell into a creek and she nearly drowned. And this, um, this accident left her with a lifelong fear of water. Mm-hmm. And so when she, was, when she approached the Pope to ask his approval for a new religious order of missionaries to China, she was hoping to be able to travel <laughs> over land. And instead, the Holy Father sent her to the U.S. <laughs> ah, and the only and, way to get there. Right. By and boat. so, yeah, and she was unwilling to let her fear stand in the way of the salvation of souls. Um, and so she climbed aboard a ship, the yep. first of over two dozen transatlantic trips she would take wow. en route to becoming the first American saint. Hats off to you for, She's for a that fantastic, fear. fantastic mm. Absolutely. Saint. And then uh, a great saint. I mean, these are all great saints, but uh, this great saint, St. Oscar Romero. He wasn't always the courageous archbishop we know, willing to lay down his life. Uh, by nature, he was very shy, bookish, and timid. But he stood up for his people in El Salvador, and ultimately paid with his life to protect his faith and his people. My goodness. So uh, so be not afraid yes, is, is the word. We're going to take a little bit of a break. Stay right where you are. Catholic Underground comes back after this.
Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. You found the Catholic Underground, your podcast of hope. I am Father Chris Decker, joined by Kathleen Lee, who is in fact the uh, the Hope Samurai. Yeah, there you go. And uh, Olivia Galino, <laughs> who who also in her own right is typically very hopeful. Yeah, and also a ninja. I don't have a title, and, but and okay. also a ninja. That's yep. right. Yeah. Does it mean anything if there's no plaque? But okay. actually, I think it means that that you're you're low key more awesome if you are titleless, right? Like that seems like a very Japanese thing. <laughs> you look at Kathleen for confirmation. Of that. <laughs> you know that you don't need all the accolades and positivity that I just you need, said Kathleen. Kathleen. I just said Kathleen was awesome, and then I said Olivia was awesomer. Yes. I'm sorry. And you looked at Kathleen as you said it. I did. Wow. I, yeah. Hey, hey, you know what? I am your it's big length, brother. So I know. Don't worry about I it. know how this works. Yeah. <laughs> We've been in isolation. He hasn't been j- around people. I'm opening up the jingle jangle. <laughs> I haven't been around up. people. That's a, that's a good way to save it. Yeah. Shall we, at this time, though, have another Lenten check in with mm, the beard? With the beard. Look at it, people. The mighty beard. If you are listening on the radio, you need to find us on Facebook and at least look at. I mean, it is. It is something yes. to. And my, I am very proud of it. Oh, yes. And I have it's opted. Not even mine. I'm I, like, I've, mm. I've opted. One of my friends who's in IT mm. says, "What's this thing you have against neck beards?" Mm. Actually, I need to be clear. That was Father Ryan. Father Ryan did that. That was that was a a, a phrase that he adopted for all uh-huh. IT professionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and so have you? Now have you decided to one, bless us with a neck beard? I, I'm one with the neck beard because look. <laughs> I have opted to not trim, not trim it, yeah. the neck zone of the beard. So, so does this mean for an Easter miracle, you're going to shave everything but the neck beard? No. Yes. God is merciful. No. Yes, people. Back chat at Catholic Underground if, if God you is want merciful, to see the neck beard. I suppose that I can just go out on a limb and say I'm far too vain to do that. But also, that would be the most painful thing. <laughs> and we don't do that at suffering. Easter. Lynn is about suffering. No, no. At Easter, we Suffer. don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just suffer saying, no, so that not, we may rejoice. Mm. Don't you want to suffer for souls, Father? I do. Namely mine. I do. And Olivia's. No. Imagine how much discomfort that would give I, you that you could would, then offer to the Lord. I would rather give you comical sideburns than I it's, would a neck beard. It's almost like a literal hair shirt, except on your for, face. Your, for your neck. <laughs> right, which you're not supposed to touch during the outbreak, but I can't, oh, yeah, it's I so can't bad. stop because oh, yeah. it, it's always itchy. I was going to get arrested. If they, if they made right. that a law, I'd be in jail. That was the beard check-in. I'm not really sure I had a segue into the yes. next. Yeah, I think segment. we should have a graphic yes. for the beard check-in and like a what? and a musical. Yeah, a musical. A musical yeah. sting. Don't yeah. tell Jeff that. Yes, Jeff. Yeah. He's working. Look, he's already something. working on it. Uh-huh. Yeah. We are working on it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I knew it. It's in they beta have the right technology. now. Oh, it's happening. You know. Uh, well, <laughs> Kathleen is the captain of this ship, or she was when, the, when you were on sabbatical, so oh, I she, trust her leadership. She easily, easily wrests control of the tiller whenever I, I, she wants. I I, this is, came to my mind. I don't know if I want to say it out loud, but I am the neck beard that, <laughs> that moves the head. <laughs> anyway, she Except wants. I don't have a beard. and Well, there uh, it is. 
<laughs> You're welcome, America, and those who are listening overseas and in Canada. That's actually a kind of <laughs> apropos segue. <laughs> I suppose you know one of the things in that all way. of us, one of the things that all of us at this table and even up in space like to do is eat. Mm. And, I do. And periodically, as the Catholic Underground, we try to get together to share a meal. Mm-hmm. In fact, we did it whenever we had um, uh, Gemma. Well, of um, course, you did it when I was Jamie. here. Great, thanks. Well, I mean, so, you weren't here, so but you are always most like welcome. You couldn't wait for yeah. me. Okay. Uh, but but we try to get together. Uh, as a group because eating together is important because you can catch up on what's going on and that used to be part of our culture in some places in the south it is still Mm -hmm. um, but it seems to have kind of dropped out as everybody's kind of taken to their devices and their um, streaming media and their tv trays yeah well and just as priorities have shifted especially on certain days of the week to other things right like school and sports and work and yeah brunch whatever um but you know the idea of the sunday supper yeah like think about your sunday you know uh, outside of like quarantine or self-isolation or social distancing a typical sunday a typical sunday generally you know hopefully you're going to mass um but then like your afternoon is rarely just like i read a book I, you know, spent some leisurely time walking um, with my family. We ate together. We went to bed early. What, you know, like it's rarely like that. Usually, it's like, well, we have to go to a seven a.m. mass because Billy has soccer practice, but Jenny has cheerleading, and then we got to go and like quickly go drop off stuff at the pharmacy, and then we got to pick up stuff at Walmart, and then we got to run to the the three year olds play practice. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just mm-hmm. constant, constant. And everyone constant. has dance all the time, <laughs> always. Oh yeah. Yep. Um and I dance. That's true. Yeah, you always yeah, have dance. Yeah. Even when you think you don't, have, you always have dance. That's right. Um, Are you breathing? You have dance practice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Sunday supper, in, you know, whatever form that took for you, uh, maybe you remember as a child, like yeah, we always went to so and so's house. Maybe it's your grandmother. Maybe it's your aunt or uncle. Maybe it's your house, and um, we always had it. And you know. Generally, people weren't, you know, on Nintendo Mm -hmm. or Game Boy or whatever existed back then. Um, You were having conversations. Um, (laughs) You were having conversations. You were eating together. It was simple. There wasn't a TV on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but generally that kind of tradition dies off as the people who um, put on those things or welcome people into their homes. As that kind of disappears, those um, traditions tend to disappear. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and, you know, I can say even in my own family that like, we always uh, growing up, like we always ate as a family on Sundays. Like, you know, we would usually like go somewhere after mass. So mom didn't have to cook. Um, but like, that's what, that's what we did. Right. And every once in a while, like, you know, maybe mom or dad would like make jambalaya or steak or something like that. But like, we always ate together on Sundays. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just our family. But I remember my mom telling me like when she first met my dad, um, I, you know, kind of a big Sicilian family. And, um, my mom told me like when she first met my dad that like every Sunday you were expected right at at Nana and Papa's house um like and that's those are my grandparents you know so like you were expected at their house and it was you know it was dinner for everybody um and if you weren't there this is the way things are yeah and if you weren't there you got a call you know um and there's something like while I can imagine like you know the kind of pressure that puts on you like uh, in a family I can also just imagine like how nice that is right to know some that someone expects you just like on a like a mm-hmm. purely like existential mm-hmm. level, I love that, um, and to know that you're wanted somewhere, not just one time, but every week. Yeah, and to know that someone 
a, a whole collection of someone's want to feed you in not more than just one way. That's right. You and know? be in your presence. Um, yeah. And to be in your presence, right? Not to like sit next to you with a game controller in your hand. Um, I know with my parents, we, we would, it was always a, our ritual because we were a small family. It was mom, dad, and myself, uh, and doc. Um, but, uh, but after mass, whatever my mass schedule was, because I was an altar server, kind of like dance at every time is, is, <laughs> is Christopher breathing? Then he's probably serving mass. Um, and, and so usually we would go out to lunch together and it would be one of those long Italian lunches mm-hmm. where we would just, you know, let, let it, let it linger. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. You got, well, you got the cranberry stuck in my head cause you said the word linger, but, <laughs> Sorry. um, I, that's where I went just now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's, it's that same kind of point, right? Just letting like leisure take over the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even, you know, uh, when um, I think it was nearer to when Matt and I first started dating, we um, his family does something similar. Like he's a lot of family lives like all in yeah. kind of one area, and it was that thing where it was like it was a Sunday afternoon, and it was you know grandma and grandpa are making lasagna for everyone, and you know do you want to go? And like my first reaction was like absolutely, like I'm craving that. Yeah. Like nothing sounds more wonderful to me and it was exactly it was like the adults kind of sitting around like having conversations the cousins like playing board games and you know like teasing each other and running around and it was just it was blissful Mm -hmm. it was like what family and what that what that day sunday should Mm -hmm. be right if you want to rejoice in the resurrection we do it with our families um and so it's not an impossible thing though. Like if that's not something that you grew up with or maybe it, it is and you're, you're remembering it and you're like, oh man, I wish we still had that. You know, it's not an impossible thing to, to do it again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously during these particular times, we have to be more careful with things like this, but you know, you can maybe start thinking about like, well, you know, when things are a little more back to normal, um, why not do a Sunday supper and just like um, let the word spread, you know? So, um, in this article from the Washington Examiner that we're using, um, the author, you know, he decided that he wanted to do a Sunday supper and um, he set a large table. He had way too much food, which is the Italian way. Um, if you have a dinner for 10, you always cook for 45. Um, <laughs> like that time my mom made like, I think it was an eight pound roast on New Year's Eve for like five people. Love you, mom. Um, <laughs> but so, so he said this large table, he, you know, prepared over abundantly with food and he just prayed that people would come and he didn't use social media or any kind of email, e-invitations, mm-hmm. whatever to... Just word of mouth? Yeah, he just spread the word in his neighborhood um, and he said he had no idea if anyone would come. I set that table for 40 and I cooked for 80. And yeah. he said, by 5 p.m. I was glad I cooked for 80 because that's almost how many people came. Wow. Wow. You Just know? by word of mouth. Just by word of mouth. And I can even think of things in my own life like, potlucks that me and my friends will do mm-hmm. or just like things that are simple you know like not like this kind of over the top like well we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do this but just like hey you know bring a side dish come over for dinner yeah. and I think about how many people tend to show up for those things because it's simple yeah. and it's just an opportunity to be with people that you love and who love you and who just simply yeah. want to be in your presence they don't need anything from you right. you don't need anything from them we're not trying to like you know, have a book club or anything like we just want to be in your presence. Yeah. Um, and so if you, if that's something that like in your family, maybe you're missing or with your friends, you know, um, like make that plan to, to do that, right. To give yeah. something away. Um, and you know, if, if finances are a reality cause they are for all of us, you know, yeah. then make it something where like you provide the meat dish and everyone brings a side dish, right. Mm-hmm. You'll have way more than enough. Um, 
Yeah, it, it often those sorts of things do tend to become a multiplication of the loaves. Yeah, you yeah. know, they they really do. Uh, perhaps not as miraculous as our Lord, exactly. Um, but uh, but with with our human powers, um, whenever we reach out in charity, because yeah. we want to be in the presence of others, and they want to be in our presence. Mm-hmm. The Lord performed a miracle of love. Yeah. We can perform an act of charity. Yeah. And so our ability to cook is a natural way in which yeah. we kind of mimic what the Lord does miraculously. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, my mom actually just texted me and she said, I miss those days so terribly much. With oh. A little kissy face. Um, <laughs> well, Miss Stacy, uh, I'm just saying, you know, once all this blows over. Oh, yeah. She makes a mean lasagna. Not gonna... only once all this blows over, but <laughs> I'll come to your house tomorrow. I was going to say, are you hosting a Catholic underground get together? Because we'll be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Olivia's mom can cook oh yeah oh she she made me like and my boyfriend like little mini lasagnas and those things there's nothing cuter than a mini lasagna oh yeah yeah well mini by mini i mean like it'll feed me for about six days but you know um but yeah so the other thing that that i wanted to to take a little time to talk about was like you know we're we're in this time of lent obviously we're under a little bit of special circumstances right now and you might be thinking like this is the most Lenty Lent I've ever had. <laughs> it is extra Lenty. I can't Lent anymore. Mm-hmm. Lent? Lent is over. Can we yeah. just like right. just extrapolate and get to Easter? Like I've done Lent. At I'm this at point. Lent level midnight. <laughs> wow. I, did. Um, I went there. And and I think sometimes like the the kind of um, like perspective I'm seeing right now is like, well, this is good that we're spending time alone and um, or at least like spending time with only a small group of people because it's a Lent is a time of introspection mm-hmm. and it is right. Like, I mean, um, we can think about like the, one of the readings from today, the, um, uh, the reading from Exodus, um, by the way, mom says, come on over, um, <laughs> in her little accent. So I'll do it. Come on over. All right. Um, but yeah, we just read from Exodus today and we hear about how the Israelites are grumbling, right? Like they've just seen God work actual miracles for them, right? Yeah. The angel of death has passed them over. God mm-hmm. has saved them from sin and slavery. They've just seen what God can do. He parted the Red Sea, right? Um, but they even despite all that they still find themselves grumbling right and that tends to happen i think sometimes when we focus too much on like the exteriority rather than the interiority mm-hmm. right um we look outward and we're like what's next come on come on come on what's next and so it is a good time lent is a wonderful time to like to look inward right what has god done for me what is god doing right now today mm-hmm. like what's the grace for today that god is giving um because there's grace for every day, let me tell you. Um, but for many of us, I think that sometimes Lent does become like the spiritual equivalent of New Year's resolutions, and we've talked a little bit about that. Um, but if we want to like maybe get down to the heart of what Lent is, because I think there's still sometimes people will feel like, well, I feel like I really don't even know how to do Lent, right? You might not be saying Lent anymore, but sometimes at the start of Lent, we can find that, um, that kind of phenomenon. Right. So maybe think back to like what the early church would do during Lent. Um, and during those times, it was a time when Catholics focused outward, right? That almsgiving part of Lent wasn't just like the third part of the three things we know we're supposed to do during Lent, but we really don't know what we're supposed to do. Right. Right. Um, so it wasn't just a time to grow as persons, right? To look inward, um, to kind of make our spiritual resolutions. Um, but it was the time for the growth of the church. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, you think about it, like collectively speaking, if I'm growing and you're growing and you're growing, well, then collectively we're all the better for it. Sure. That's right. True. Even if 
you're growing and you're growing and I'm struggling, mm -hmm. right? We're right. still all the better for that's it. That's right. And we're still doing this together. That's, right. that's an important part is, yeah. is the mystical body of Christ, it, it never severs itself. Yeah. Even if the mystical body of Christ is hurting or even in a state of sin, where it's attempting to distance itself from, from, Christ, from Christ's head and the mystical yeah. body, there's still a sinew. Yeah, exactly. You know, actual grace is still a sinew that is, uh, is keeping the body uh, together in some way. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, and so in the days of the early church fathers, we can look at, you know, did the whole church fast, pray, give alms for the 40 days? Yes, absolutely they did. But Catholics did that primarily for the sake of others rather than themselves. Um, there were these whole groups of people that were the, the main beneficiaries of prayer and penance. Um, you know, so think about like at different points during your Lent, you will have interactions with the people who've been doing RCIA. Um, and at different points, it's, it's almost sometimes it can seem a little scattered. You're like, oh, I didn't realize that was today because it wasn't last week, but okay. Mm -hmm. um, where they'll go through different like parts of their initiation of the or the scrutinies, yeah, uh, leading up to their initiation. Um, but those were part of one of the groups that, that people sacrificed for, right? Yeah. Knowing that new people are coming into the church or coming into fuller communion with the church at Easter mm -hmm. and making those sacrifices specifically for them right? Or giving alms specifically to them, yeah. right? Um, but also, that's the first group. Also, lapsed Catholics, right? People who need to be readmitted to communion, people who are are still in need of a conversion of heart, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's huge because that, that also contributes to the growth of the church, right? You know, adding new members, but also strengthening the members of the church. You never stop yeah. being Catholic, right? There's really no such thing as a lot, a lapsed Catholic, mm -hmm. right? Or, or someone who used to be Catholic, right? You can yeah. be lapsed, but you, there's not someone who's like, well, I'm formerly Catholic. No, you're always Catholic, right? right. right? Um, so the things that we can do during Lent, if you, even if you just focus on those two groups, you're going to be busy, true. right? Um, but what they would do is people would pray and fast for them during Lent in order to um, to do what Christ is doing in the desert, right? He's he's defeating temptation. Um, he's he's swatting the devil um, mm -hmm. out of his field of vision, right, and mm -hmm. focusing on God. And so that's what they would do. They would pray and fast that these two groups of people would um, that they would be able. God would help them to break the power of darkness as they're preparing to, you know, cross the Jordan into the promised land, right? To come into the church um, through baptism, through penance, mm -hmm. through full communion, um, or to, to rejoin the church. Um, and so that's something that I think that we should recapture. That's a really beautiful part of our tradition that I really have never thought about before. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's also, of course, something else that we should do. There, th those are two maybe small groups of people, right? Right. Even if just think about like the people coming into your parish and the people at your parish who maybe are like within your parish boundaries who are considered lapsed, right? Mm -hmm. All in all, it might be a small group of people, um, but there's millions of more people who should be returning or should be re-entering or should be entering. Sorry, um, and they need to know about Jesus, right? Right. And so this gets into sometimes like the sticky part of Catholicism, like evangelization. People the going out bit. Yeah. People are like, oh, I don't I'm, I don't know. <laughs> is, you it, know? is it really a mandate from the Lord to right? go to go and, and make, make disciples? disciples? But that's just that's for like certain people. That's for like people like Kathleen. She's good at it. You mm -hmm. know, like and I catch myself thinking about that mm -hmm. because I have gifts that are not in that area. And Kathleen rocks the pants off of that area. Oh, 
Right. It's true. And and so that that's my she's temptation. An she is. She's a beautiful evangelist in a way that it's approachable and like beautiful and profound while still being like humorous and life giving. Oh, and so affirmation time for Kathleen, you deserve it. Um, I love that's my love language that I receive words of words affirmation. of affirmation. <laughs> See, I know this about you. Affirm me. Um, <laughs> so you might you might have the temptation that I have, right, to say like, well, that's not my personality. Right. I can't do that. Or maybe you're thinking like, well, I would love to, but like, what do I say? You know, I don't have enough education on X, Y, and Z to be able to do that. Yeah. Or maybe you say, you know, well, I try to evangelize by like what I do, by my example. And those are all good things, right? Or that is a good thing to evangelize by example. But we're we're also supposed to evangelize in word, right? As well as in deed. And that can be the hard thing, right? To talk to someone about Jesus. Um, And so, yeah, not everyone can get a degree in theology, but you don't need one, right? That's right. Um, Think about too, even just the the story from the gospels today about the Samaritan woman at the well, Mm -hmm. right? This is a woman who, we don't know about her educational background, but we know the time that she lived in. So we can say pretty much that she's uneducated, right? But we know that she's aware of her social circumstances right we know that um that she's aware of her own need and we know that um that she's aware of religious things because she talks to jesus about religious things um and i love the conversation that they have this is the example i use all the time when i'm talking about how jesus redeems women's dignity Mm -hmm. in in the gospels yes because he talks to her about deep things he's not making chit chat with her no Right. He talks to her about mm-hmm. eternal life. Right. Living water. Yeah. And he talks to her about deep religious things. Right. Because she's talking about how the Samaritans worship on Mount Gerizim and the Jews have problems with that. These are like rooted uh, religious issues of the time. That's right. And Jesus. And, and they're connected to tendrils deeper in her heart. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And Jesus takes her at face value. Right. He meets her where she is. And then because of that encounter, that incarnational moment, like Father Chris was saying, she leaves, this is my f- one of my favorite lines in scripture, she leaves her water jar, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. She came there to get water, and John is explicit when he says that she leaves her water jar behind. And, and goes she out. goes out yeah. into the town. She's the vessel, yeah. right? She came to find water. Not only did she find it, but it's living water, and now she, it's within her. Yeah. And then she goes out, and she all she has to do is tell people about it, right? And it works. And it works. That's the thing. Like she tells them her story, her testimony. And I think that's really the key for for we Catholics who are thinking like, if I'm not a theolo- theology major, I yeah. can't do it. Tell the story of faith. Yeah. And you don't even have to begin with the word, Jesus did this for me. Yeah. But saying, you know, this is this has been my life for this long and something happened in yeah. my life. And, and not, not even saying, I'd like to share it with you if you have a moment, right, but simply yeah. talk to the person. Yeah. You know, engage the other person as a person. Exactly. And I have found that over a meal, not just because I'm a priest, but because the Lord has worked in my life, people are interested in the Lord's working. Yeah. Because then that gives them permission to say, has is that what that was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what that was in my life? And yeah. that's what the, the Samaritan woman experiences she experiences these little small acts of faith as Jesus is talking with her and she's going, is he the Messiah? And so what does yeah. she begin to spout when she goes filled with the water of living, mm-hmm. uh, of eternal life? She goes, I found the Messiah. I think it's him. Yeah. You know, that's... Even and that's, though he didn't tell her that, he right? Her he that. doesn't identify mm-hmm. that, but she knows, right? Um, yeah, and I love that 
like that that emphasis on just encountering someone with your story especially because i think a lot of times we can think that well if i'm gonna like change people's minds or if i'm gonna reach people i gotta give them good trivia right right i know this fact about this book of the bible or i know this thing about jesus and you've never heard it and you'll Mm. find it interesting let me tell you that only goes so far yeah right because people want to like at root we are relational people which Mm -hmm. is why so many people are like oh i just want to talk to people right now yeah right we're relational tell people your story it doesn't have to be like you know the lord came down in my hospital room like no it could just be like this is the way that i found jesus today Mm -hmm. right or you could affirm someone yeah like affirm someone and be like you know what like thank you for your smile i'm having a really hard day and like you've been christ to me right now And you can even express your, your suffering with somebody. Yeah. I'm, I'm having trouble finding God right now. I know he's there because he's, he's never left me, but I, I don't experience his presence. That kind of vulnerability can also mm-hmm. be a mode of evangelization um, oh, yeah. where you're, you're able to share your cross openly. And then by doing that, you're becoming someone else's Simon of Cyrene. Yeah. You know, by willing to walk through the desert with maybe this person's experiencing that in their life. Yeah. We could go on forever about evangelization because that's part of what we do at the Catholic Underground. But, you know, Jeff, I guess it's time for that part of the show that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. And for our first CU Pick of the Week, we go to the one that you expected us to go to, Kathleen. Oh, I thought you were going to be like... No, oh, yeah. I wouldn't do that oh, to no. you. Oh, People are, never you expect not, me. They don't remember my I was name. ready for it. You're in a fragile state, so. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And, and that, is, that fragile state is, you know, brought on by, of course, having to now teach 100 little sixth graders uh, through the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of like an imagining yes. a circus. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and so, you know, I've, I've discovered that with the closing of schools, you know, when we were, when we were in school, it was always mm-hmm. like, yeah, close down the school. Mm-hmm. What that, what stress that brings on people who are on the other side, who yeah. are parents. I mean, there have been a couple of companies, shout out to them, who yeah. are recognizing this. This is awesome, yeah. by the way. Yes, and please. and I've, there are multiple that I've been trying to keep up with, but I want to point out two companies, Scholastic yep. and Tiny Saints. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, who have recognized that oh, these kids are going to be home saints. with stuff with with like tons of time on their hands. Yeah. And so scholastic.com uh, slash learn at home has for everything from uh, from like pre-K to I think sixth grade and up um, some like lessons mm-hmm. that you can like plug your kids into if they're if it's not being done through school or teachers. You can look at these and maybe see if there's some that you want to want to send to your kids and tiny saints. I love this little company. They make the tiny saint charms. First off, you should buy all of them for your kids and for yourself. I have like 20 all around my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have, they're, they're developing and they're currently developing uh, free printables for your kids. Um, and one of them, you know, I was looking at them. One of them is uh, like a printable poem. And then the other, you, you do not need to worry is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then it looks like they're going to be doing um, gospel reflections as well. To my parishioners, it's already on the parish website. Yes, Woo-hoo. indeed. Like so this is great. But be looking out for companies like that. And then when all this is over, um, pay them for for some mm-hmm. of their stuff. Yeah. Because this is, you know, mm-hmm. they recognize the need and they're providing a lot of this for free. Yeah. Um, so very cool. Very Tiny nice. Saints, Scholastic. Love Olivia. it. 
Yeah, my pick of the week um, has to do with a feast this week that you know might get overshadowed just because there's lots of things going on. Um, but it's St. Joseph's Day this week, um, the Solemnity of St. Joseph, and um, March nineteenth. March nineteenth, um, and Thursday, if you're thinking that way. But um, I, one of the things I love to do in preparation for this day is to read about St. Joseph. Um, and one of the things that you can do that we'll put in the show notes is um, this homily by St. Jose Maria Escriva on St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, it's really beautiful. It kind of touches on a bunch of different parts of St. Joseph's life. But yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll put that in the in the show notes. Okay. Oh, yeah. There you go. Let's go up to Jeff, uh, shall we, for, uh, for his pick of the week. Let's. Um, here's an opportunity to learn about uh, uh, church history. COVID-19 also known as the coronavirus uh-huh. um and, and people have been joking around beer jokes and stuff like that i, I don't i don't go there I, I, this is a learning opportunity and uh, somebody told me the other day there is a saint corona I said no you're kidding me saint corona from the second century is one of the saints of the church that is the patron saint of pandemics sure enough mm-hmm. sure i'm my hand up i'm telling you the truth here <laughs> Uh, her relics are in a basilica preserved there since the ninth century in Anzu, that's northern Italy. Mm-hmm. So I just ask you, hmm, is that a coincidence? There are no coincidences. <laughs> Only the Lord <laughs> working and choosing and to other, remain anonymous. There are other saints, uh, too, which we touched yeah. on. Yeah, uh, St. Sebastian. Um, um, uh, let's Blessed see. Maria. Blessed, yeah, yeah. Blessed Saint Maria. Yeah, Blessed Maria. St. Charles Borromeo. St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Um, wh- yeah. um, let's see. Ho- there was another one in my head. Um, oh, St. Bernadette? St. Bernadette, yeah. yeah. All sorts of ones, yeah. Very true. So, what is your pick of oh, the week? Oh, my pick of the week. i got to have it. So, so Philip, Kozlowski, uh, Philip Kozlowski and the gang at, uh, at Voyage Comics have uh, put out uh, issue three of Finian and the Seven Mountains. You know that I've been following this story about the story of, of St. Uh, St. Brendan mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and the monks of Skellig Michael. Uh, this is issue three. It's out, and I'll put a link in the show notes where you can get it smells like comic book and it's a great (laughs) read if you're stuck inside yeah 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 well alrighty uh, we're always grateful for those of you who support us with your prayers and know that we support you with our prayers as well isn't that right Jeff and to that we say amen good father Uh, this week the Catholic Underground is possible because of people just like you join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate an important way to support us is to like us heart us star us and share us on your social media platform of choice and if you really like the podcast, uh, you know, on iTunes, uh, be sure and leave us a review. That helps everybody here. That's for sure. And uh, we are always grateful when you do that. Uh, and uh, as a work of evangelization, share, share uh, the podcast if you don't mind. Our panelists have been Olivia Galino and Kathleen Lee. Our uh, technical director is Jeff Blackwell. He's available at Jeff Blackwellis on all the social medias. Our research assistant and the leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes. Our video and graphics director is Ed Ball. And you know me. I am Father Chris. You can follow me on the Twitter and on the Instagram at Digital Catholic. We hope that we've helped you cut through some of the noise and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground. We're Faith Gone Digital. We have hope. And we'll see you next time.
the Catholic.